Welcome to the HEA Book Club. I'm Summer O'Toole, I'm a romance author, and with me is my best friend and co-host, Kelsey. Hello, everyone. And I am absolutely stoked for this episode. We're gonna be talking about morally gray characters, and if there's ever been a trope that I want converted into a drug and just shot into my veins, <laughs> it's it's morally gray heroes. I will get into the nitty gritty of the tropes, but for now, weekly arts, Kelsey. Yes, I have a different for me weekly hot, although I did have other typical weekly hot things happen. We're just going to ignore those for a minute because I want to tell you guys about the principles of pleasure, which is on Netflix. I don't know if this has popped up on your guys' Netflix, like it's popped up on mine, popped up right next to the how to build a sex room. Netflix clearly knows me well. However, principles of pleasure. This is like a, I think it's like a three or four series no three or four episode docu-series and it's like the sex ed that I wish someone had given me in high school or like early college if not somewhere else around then because we all develop and do these things at different times which is like go us for our own individual development but you guys like I my mind was just blown as I was watching these things like everything from this wonderful woman who was like telling you about all these different sex toys and what they do to like the purpose of pleasure to like what's the actual name of your vagina and why do we call it a vagina when in reality we should be labeling it as a vulva like all these things that it's like this diagram that I filled out in sixth grade like did not cut it (laughs) flash also I don't know if this triggers anyone else but did anyone else read the book a care and keeping of you because that was the entirety of my sex education as a child oh my gosh another flashback do you remember that book that I had who who knows where the hell it came from but it was just all vaginas did I ever show that to you no I don't think so were they like photographs yeah like legitimately like I had like 20 pages of photographed vaginas and I don't know where in the world that book came from or where it went but wow I really need to reflect on that like make this up or like have a dream a very vivid dream about it no, I'm positive because when I first opened up this book, I was low-key traumatized because I don't even think I'd ever taken a mirror to my own vagina slash vulva because I'm now going to label it the proper thing. So no, it was just, I don't know where that came from, but somewhere came from that somewhere. So you should ask Caitlin. I should. Maybe it, she was one of her books. <laughs> Anyways, that was my weekly hot. Educate yourselves, guys watch the docuseries i highly suggest it slash how to build a sex room because it's just kind of interesting well my weekly hot is actually kind of coincides with one of my book updates for y'all so as i've mentioned i think a few times on the podcast i was planning to release a novella for the taken series this november along with a box set of the three books that include bonus scenes, alternative endings, things like that. A series of events made me realize that I wanted to switch my Mafia series and the box set, push the box set out to 
an unsure amount of time. I have most of it written already, but I dove into the Mafia series. It's been like haunting my brain. It's just like a worm in there. And I finally started putting pen to paper and I'm just absolutely so excited about it. It'll be coming out probably sometime in November. I'm also having to write it in a month to get to my editor on time. So that's going to be a fun, crazy process. I'm up for the challenge, but my weekly hot is my hero in this book. He's going to be the most unhinged, by far, little psychotic hero I've written so far. I mean, we're going to talk about Captain Elliot Cross in this episode, and then we have Jonas, and they're they're very lightly morally gray, only because of how society perceives them, not necessarily what their own morals are. But this guy is just a bad dude. So I can attest for this because Summer gave me the plot line of her book just the other day and the description of this character, you guys. Chaotic. Absolutely chaotic, but in a great way. I'm very excited for it. So that's my weekly hot. Shall we talk about our morally gray characters? It was really hard to pick a book for this episode because pretty much every book I read has some sort of gray morality to it. So the books, the book that I read, Scarred, is actually in Emily's series, the Never After series, where she does a fractured retelling of classic fairy tales. So but where the villain gets the girl. So I've talked about Hooked before. That's where Captain Hook is the hero. This was Scarred, loosely based off of Lion King. And when I say loosely based retellings, very, very loose. She kind of just uses the fairy tale as a starting point and there's sort of Easter eggs to the story along the way, but don't be expecting a really specific adaptation. So Scarred, obviously, in the name, gives it away. The hero is Scar from The Lion King, who, you know, has a scar across his face. And in this book, he's the Scarred Prince. So he's kind of the ostracized outside character, or prince, brother. While his brother, the king, is kind of just, like, in power because he was handed down the crown and he doesn't really deserve it. He's kind of pompous, doesn't really care about his people. And the heroine, Sarah B, comes in because she is trying to avenge her father's death. She believes that the king had him executed for treason and she is now in like a betrothal situation with him. So she's like, I'm going to marry the king and then I'm going to like kill the entire Fossa line. Fossa's the family. And it's clever because the king's name is Michael. Their last name is Fossa. So it's like M. Fossa. Mufasa. That's cute. I like that. That's like a, that's a nice Easter egg like you were saying before. Yeah. There was another one. Emba is Paul... I forget what the last name was, but I think it was something that started with a B. So it was kind of like you're taking those sounds. Simon was Simba. So there, there was a lot of really fun nuggets. I couldn't figure out who Sarah B was supposed to be. Because I What's... only remember Nala and Kiara. 
was gonna say Nala's who's coming to mind for me right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had a crush on Kiara, who was I think in like the second Lion King. Is Kiara? The girl lion. I do not remember the girl lion in the second Lion King. Where did that? But I'm fairly certain it's true. Like how I made up the um, vagina book. Yeah. <laughs> and I really can't talk too much about Scarred without giving it away because there's a lot of plot twists and secrets that come out that if I, I know we usually are fine doing spoilers, but because I have other books to talk about, I'm just gonna say you should read it. You should read the whole series. Hooked was my favorite. And let's dive into some of the other books that I love. So Mafia is kind of one of those subgenres that is just is just drenched in gray morality. Have we defined morally gray? Not really. Not yet. I feel like now would be a good point. Kelsey, what's your definition of morally gray? It is a character who you look at their actions and you're like, that's a little suspicious. Like maybe they're a drug dealer and they're dealing to prison mates, you know, like they're doing something that's just like suspicious and you're like, that doesn't seem exactly right to me. Like morally, no shit, because it's morally great. <laughs> feel like I could have picked a different word for that but they're just they're doing something suspicious and it's not accepted by society I think is probably the easiest way to put it Mm -hmm. with whatever they're doing like no matter how they got into the situation you know maybe Mm -hmm. they're part of a mafia family and that's why they're dealing drugs and they're just trying to scrape by and save up enough money to go to college or do whatever they're gonna do like that's where the gray comes in like maybe they don't want to be doing specific book no, not at all. I just whipped this out of my ass. <laughs> Does it sound like a specific book? It doesn't sound like a book that I've heard about. So that's why I was like, I think she's just like spitballing right now. I'm, I'm rifting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I define it. You know, someone who's in a suspicious scenario, whether or not they want to be and that's how society is perceiving them. Internally, they're actually like, you know, they got the heart of gold or whatever they got going on. I think my definition includes like two, like two fairly distinct categories or criteria. Okay. I feel like one of them has to do with they kind of set their own morals of what's good and bad and they don't let what's legal set that that line and like draw the line between what's good and bad likewise they don't let society draw that line of what's good and bad like they decide that on their own and usually you know there's a big discrepancy so i feel like that's one criteria and then The other one is solving problems with violence. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for this. (laughs) Like, when I think of the morally great hero, I think of touch her and you die. I think of, you know, lay a hand on her and I'll cut it off. You know, where their first reaction is going to be like to start throwing hands 
or like burning something down. And in your realm of book reading, that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Like in your dark romances compared to my romantic comedies or my, you know, borderline, whatever I, whatever I choose to read my contemporary romances. So I definitely see how that makes sense for dark romance because there's a lot of, you know, cutting of hands. Yeah. Their answer is violence. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like the grumpy sunshine trope taken to the extreme. That's real fucking grumpy. If you take a morally great character and you water him down and like put him into socially acceptable boxes, he is the grumpy CEO who snaps at his assistant and is rude to people. But really, he just wants to be loved. He doesn't <laughs> think he's deserving of it. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah, no, I think it's a good way to put it. Because we've definitely covered grumpy sunshines before. And I can see some of those characters where I'm like, okay, throw them in a dark romance. And like, yeah, they'd cut off a hand. Or like, yeah, they'd murder <laughs> yeah. someone. Okay. And they'd still keep their like general character balanced. Just there'd be a little bit more gore and murder involved. <laughs> there'd be a little bit of torture sprinkled in for fun. <laughs> I would like fries with my shake and a few severed limbs, please. I'm picturing that right now. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about the other books I loved. Some of the first ones that come to mind, obviously, is going to be The Royals of Forsyth. I will not bore you guys with the 10th episode of me gushing over the series, but Lords of Pain and Dukes is really, especially since it's a bully romance, the first book of both series is like very little redemption. Like they're just straight up evil. So yeah, that's a great example of morally gray. We're getting into the like morally dark gray, Heather gray, black. I actually, I would love to interrupt you right now because I was talking with my friend about that series yesterday because she had listened to it on the podcast and we essentially were having the conversation over sushi about how those people were morally gray and how we were unsure if we wanted to read it because of that factor, simply because we're more on the like the lighter romance side where we have the same taste. But I just thought it was ironic because I literally had that conversation yesterday about those book series. Yeah. I would suggest knowing you that you do not read it. There's a lot <laughs> of non-con and dubcon and it's, I, I mean, you obviously you can try it, but I don't think I like it. No, I, I appreciate that. That's a those are the good like triggers that I need to be aware of before I read a book. Like in the prologue, we're we're starting it right then and there. Agro. Okay, please tell me about other books that you've read <laughs> that have morally gray characters. I think we're we're rel- going into the black category, right? You yeah. Heather Gray, dark gray. I don't know why I'm picturing a chevron print right now. You know how chevron print? Oh, it's always it's always like gray and white for chevron. You know what I'm talking about? At Target and stuff, like their baskets, their chevron baskets, like hand towels. Yeah. You're picking up my vibe. You're you're reading chevron gray, Target, (laughs) morally gray books. 
I'm reading like like, the black plastic trash. (laughs) (laughs) I was picturing like a basement or like, you know, like the back of like a movie store back when there was movie stores, you'd go and you'd like rent porn or whatever. Like you're in the back room and I'm in the front room. Another book that I thought did Morley Gray really well was Ruthless Creatures, which we've also talked about in the podcast. I'll link down below for the episodes where we talk more specifically about these books. So you can kind of hear a little bit more about it if you want or read it and then go listen to those podcasts. What I liked about Ruthless Creatures is that he really tried to keep his two worlds separate. And there was a plot-driven reason for that, but also he just wanted to strip away all the bad and like keep that away from her. And he was willing to like put all the brunt of it on himself so that she wouldn't, you know, have to deal with that. And then we have our queen, Sophie Lark. She's the one who wrote the serial killer romance. I'm feeling that's a little bit more pitch black, not morally gray, but also her Brutal Birthright series, Brutal Prince we had an episode on, absolutely loved it. It's mafia inspired and there's a lot of, as Kelsey put it, suspicious behavior. (laughs) I could literally go on about this forever. So I'm going to stop talking. You start talking. Okay. So you, I don't remember what you just said. You said something you said triggered my brain to recall a book that I had actually just recently read. That wasn't the one that I read for this episode, but morally gray through and through. So I want to just like throw it out here. So it's called The Anomaly by Herb Le Tellier. And I think it's a book that like hit hit the top shelf, I don't know, like a year ago. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't keep up with the trends. That's why Summer's my friend, to help me keep up with the trends. However, this book, it's sci-fi, it's romance, and it is morally gray through and through. And it's a book where, like, at times you had to put it down and be like, what's happening? Am I okay with this? What would I do in this scenario? And this is atrocious. That's all I'm going to say about it because it's not like a full-fledged romance. However, it follows all these different characters and there's so much morally gray business happening. And it's just a very popular book. So I would suggest like read the bio, see if it interests you. It's definitely sci-fi, but it's also like, y'all, it was wild. It was super wild. Okay. So I just wanted to like throw that out there. I do read both. For some of the characters... Okay. And not all of them. And I think that's part of what makes it morally gray. I would disagree with that. Okay. But that's only because I feel like morally gray doesn't define the outcome. It defines the characters. But you, the book that you got, you read was probably, you know, a romantic subplot or a sci-fi with romance instead of a sci-fi romance. Exactly. And like it follows, I don't know, maybe like 10 different characters. And I'm thinking that some of them had HEAs and others didn't. And it's because they chose to be morally gray mm. that they did not get the HEA. 
That seems like a Bible parable. I mean, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> the other book, the real book that I read, not the real book, the book that I intended to read, the book that I did read for this particular podcast episode is actually by my favorite author. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of her. Her name's Summer O'Toole. And I read Stolen at Sea, which is the first book that she ever published. I've probably read it a multitude of times in my life, but you know, I just wanted to do a little refresh. I just wanted to, you know, dive back in. Elliot Cross, Sloan. I just, I had to get back into the story. So our morally gray character and Stolen at Sea is Elliot Cross, and Elliot Cross is a pirate. And his moral code is actually really strong. It just happens to be the moral code of the sea and the moral code of like honor and dignity. He's a pirate who like gives his, I'm gonna say coworkers, that's not the right word. His like <laughs> his crew, his crew. His I knew it was colleagues. His colleagues. I knew it was a C word, okay? They're sailing around with like cubicles on their pirate ship. He is a captain who gives his crew like severance pay and injury pay. And like he is morally in many ways a very, very good human being. And like everything on the ship, like they elect their captain, they elect their first mate, like all these good things. So like in that arena, gold star. However, he is still a pirate. So like he will hoist his black flag, go over to another ship, like board it, put black soot all over his face and look like an absolute animal as they then go and like plunder someone else's like ship, you know, with whatever goodies and crew stuff that they have. So that's Elliot Cross's kind of like his like main his main like essence would you agree with that summer as the author i would also throw in that the aspect of severance pay injury pay dividing the loot among the crew and shares usually the captain would only get double the shares so it wasn't like he was getting 90 percent of it and then the crew was getting 10 percent and electing leaders and positions within the crew was a democratic vote. That was all typical of pirates at the time. So that was cool. Yes, that wasn't him alone. But there was this code of honor amongst pirates. That's cool. But we do see in the book, though, that there are pirates who don't behave that way or that there are ships who choose to be pirates and then don't behave that way. Mm-hmm. In particular, there's one ship that has a bunch of like crew, no, not even crew members. It was like a bunch of people who were being like condemned by the crown and they were traveling via sea and they then like killed the captain, killed anyone who was like against the mutiny. And then they decided that they wanted to be pirates. And like that ship, dysfunctional. It was, it was a mess. There was no democracy there. There was a lot of scary things instead. So maybe it was the code of honor. And I do really appreciate that. But I will say that you can still choose to not have said code of honor. But were they really pirates or were they mutineers? Dang. 
I didn't think about it that way. I just thought they were stealing stuff, so they were pirates. They were pirating? But as mutineers? Yeah. They had a mutiny, and they didn't, and that created, like, their first pirating experience when they took the prize ship that had all the wine. Okay. And I'm getting into semantics, but they did it their crew didn't come together like within pirate culture and be like founded or built off of that pirate code of honor. Okay, that's fair. And that's just interesting. I know the pirate code of honor is a historical thing. The mutineer and the mutiny and that whole thing was a storyline I made up. So did it happen? I don't know. Did it happen often? Maybe, maybe it never happened doubtful but yeah you're right i see i see what you're putting down okay so morally gray there's also multiple other scenarios within the book and in case you haven't read it i'm not trying to like give away spoilers right now i don't think this is a spoiler episode but let's just say that when sloan comes in and sloan's dad shows up and sloan's dad hates pirates like there's a lot of sacrifice that elliot makes in order to protect sloan basically from himself And that also shows some of the morally gray that he has going on. Along with the fact that he's a pirate, it's still, he is a man of his word. And that is above any law. Oh, I liked the way you said that. Thanks. I mean, just recapping your beautiful story. But yeah, as I said, I don't want to give out any spoilers. So just know that he's morally gray, but more on like the Heather gray, kind of morally gray. He's a chevron. He's a chevron. He's a chevron print. But we like him that way. Morally gray light. He's he's a sexy chevron print. (laughs) I was like highlighting quotes that were like helped represent him being morally gray in the book. But like then I also found myself highlighting quotes about how badass Sloan is and then also just like his blue eyes and then I was like you know what Kelsey you're getting a little out of hand with these with these highlights you're not really sticking to the storyline here what your what your mission was but I just couldn't help it there was too many good lines summer (sighs) Couldn't, couldn't control myself as soon as I start with the highlighting it's like the whole book highlighted now that I know how to find my highlights I feel like I have all the power in the world So this is from Sloan's perspective, page 72, just in case anyone wants to know. In fact, he was shockingly handsome for a murderer and fit nothing into the ghoulish image of pirates in my head. His icy blue eyes still made a knot form in my stomach every time he looked at me. It was more the fact that, for him, having blood on his hands wasn't a metaphor. Dun, dun, dun. Did I write that? Summer, you wrote that. Oh, I like that. I have a continued quote from page 72. And I want to see if you remember this one, but it still accurately represents the morally gray. Okay. Okay. So we just talked about how hot he was and how he really does have blood on his hands. Like when Sloan met him, he was covered in blood. Very classic pirate. So from Sloan's perspective... But my mind still battled to determine who Captain Elliot Cross was. 
Was he the blood-soaked savage pirate, or he was the tender man who cared for both my damaged wrists and ankles? Was he both? Was it even possible for those two men to coexist in one body? Dun, dun, dun. Do you remember that line? I do, I do. Okay, just checking. Just check. Is there anything else you want to add about anything? I like my characters morally gray. Mm -hmm. I really do. Like, even in my, like, softer romance side of things compared to you like I still like them morally gray I think it adds some spice and some kick that brings my brain in to be much more involved than if I'm just reading like a romantic comedy mm -hmm. and he's just like a nice CEO who has commitment problems like it just it adds it adds a lot more and I think that engagement that it gives to my brain that moral dilemma where I sit there and I'm like, would I put up with that? Would I not put up with that if I was the, you know, the, the other main character in this story? I like that. That's engaging. You get to sort of have that bad boy thrill from a safe distance. Yes, which I feel like is so much of what romance is and so much mm -hmm. of what we discover in the romance realm. Like Summer, you're not dating anyone who's going to chop off someone else's hand. No. And I don't think you ever would, besides the fact that you're madly in love with your current partner, like just outside of that very realistic realm, like it just, it wouldn't happen. However, you love reading about it. We've already decided the way the character's written that he kind of gets a pass for being violent, aggressive, whatever, because of his occupation, his morality, his whatever. It allows for the hero to do some really crazy shit and get away with it. Mm -hmm. Like if a rom-com hero just one day up and decided to cut off someone's hand, we'd be like, okay, let's call the police. Yeah. Let's, let's get a little wellness check. <laughs> it's not as appealing because it doesn't fit the character. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. It's like as soon as a character is introduced that's morally gray in whatever shade of gray that they are with their backstory, you're like, okay, you're just, you're going to roll with it. And it's everything from that point forward is going to make sense. Or, which is also entertaining, is when you get a morally gray character, but you don't know their backstory. So you're just like, what the fuck? But then it slowly gets revealed to you throughout the plot. And you're like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense now that they did X, Y, and Z. I also really enjoy that when it's not given to you all at the beginning. Like I want the author to slowly just like throw me some tidbits, like sprinkle in some past that is going to give me a better picture as to why this character is who they are. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's particularly important with our morally gray characters. Yeah. Personally, do you find that with the dark romances that there is like good history background to help establish why they are who they are i think sometimes it's just as simple as like the world they grew up in not necessarily like a specific event or a specific trauma just mm -hmm. the world that they were handed or presented gives them a right to be crazy i feel like the other appeal is there's such a strong contrast between how the hero treats 
the heroine and how he treats everyone else. Like, there's nothing so dramatic and sweeping off your feet as a really nice guy who, that you can take home to your parents and he's sweet to the man that like cuts him off and yells at him in traffic. And when he buys you flowers, you're like, okay, thank you. You're a nice dude mm-hmm. in, in books. But when the rabid mafia boss who is just trigger happy shows you his vulnerable side or is soft and caring. It's like a world of difference. It does. And that's what's attractive about it. It's also that mm-hmm. possessiveness mm-hmm. with our morally great characters of like, I don't like anyone except for you. Mm-hmm. And therefore I'm going to give you the moon and the stars and I'm going to treat you like the queen that you are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck yes. Treat me like a queen. Let me put myself in this character's shoes. Absolutely. Like who doesn't want to feel like they are the center of someone's universe. I don't know, but I'd be worried for that person. Maybe go to therapy. <laughs> I think you might need to work something out if you have such low self-worth that you don't think that you should be the center of someone's universe. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Therapy's great, guys. <laughs> Principles of pleasure. Educate yourself. Therapy's great. Just feel like it's a, it's a PSA episode. <laughs> Cutting off hands in real life is not good. Yeah, also a PSA. Not a sexy thing for a partner to do for another partner. Mm-hmm. That's that's a flag in the real world. Morally gray heroes say, like, she's making me crazy or, like, I'm crazy for her. They mean it. Like, they mean crazy. <laughs> like, pathological. <laughs> not just, like, can't stop thinking about her. <laughs> Like, no, they're making me psychotic and I will then do psychotic things in response to whatever the outside stimuli is. I feel like there's still some sort of line about what is acceptable and what isn't. Obviously we have cheating. You know, they can like kill your father, but it's fine as long as he's faithful. And then some, in some like really, really dark romance, I would say these things don't apply. But when it comes to at least the characters that I want to write and read about, there is some sort of line where the the crimes that they're involved in or the violence that they portray and act on is like almost like woman-friendly crime. Or like <laughs> Can you just can you specify that a little bit more? What is a woman-friendly crime? Like they're not sex traffickers. They're not violent towards women like they're not beating up women got it okay yeah no that does that tracks then yeah for at least my character so far i'm thinking he's not going to be involved in like the gun or drug trade just because i want him to kind of be again like the drug trade just is so damaging So I kind of want him to like not be a part of that. Things that are easy to justify or explain away, you know, like counterfeit money, blackmailing someone. Easier. Yeah. Than drugs. Yeah. And of course I'm over here sitting here thinking to myself, like, I remember when I've dated some drug dealers. (laughs) And 
and just the moral like constitution of it all oh gosh this is a flashback this entire episode is just a lot of flashbacks for me right now maybe this is why i have an issue with dark romances because there's been a taste in my life there's been a couple of tastes in my life i want to read one of my favorite quotes that i feel like highlights the fact that a lot of these morally great heroes are just the biggest drama queens like okay. everything is life or death for them you know like as we were talking about like they're crazy they're like unapologetically crazy it's the same when it comes to their professions of love or not being able to get the woman they want so that's true we do all like a little bit of drama when it comes to these things like if you're mm-hmm. not giving me a giant profession of love do i even want it not in the book world let me tell you, not in the book world. In the real world, I'll kind of take whatever. But in the book world, a little different. This is from Scarred. And this is in Tristan, who is the Scarred Prince, his perspective. She finds out secrets and she has a chance to kill him. And she ends up not, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> But he says, her touch is the sweetest surrender. I decided long before ending up here that if she wished for me to die, I would lay down at her feet. I have no interest in fighting her, no interest in living if she doesn't wish for me to be. He's like, if you want me dead, if that's what you want, you got it. (laughs) It's done. Done. Maybe we'll be together in the afterlife. Who knows? But it's, it's my sacrifice for you. That's drama. You're right, though. They are about the drama. He's like, you don't want me alive? That's fine, because I don't want to be alive if you don't want me to be alive. They're dramatic. Can you just, you know me, I'm forever logical. Can you imagine if someone did that, like, in real life? Toxic. Super toxic. I'm trying to think, like, what would the level be of it being okay? Like, at what point, like, what would someone say that would accurately convey that in an attractive way and not in a toxic way like what would that sound like it would have to be maybe like written in a letter where they've healed and moved on from their breakup (laughs) and he writes in a letter like at one point I didn't want to live if you weren't if you didn't want me to be living okay I'm also thinking like marriage proposal, like I don't want to live my life without you kind of thing. Like you are the person for me, like you are the human that I want. Okay, yeah, different vein, but (laughs) I see what you're saying. (laughs) I agree. I feel like that's the only, that's the only time, that was the first thing that I thought of when it came to like what would be the drama, but also potentially accurate drama and not as toxic. Yeah. So I feel like that's when you have like a giant, that is sometimes when you have that giant explanation of love. Mm-hmm. Isn't an incidence like that? Milestone like that? Incident. Like that's probably not the best word to talk about a marriage proposal. What an incident. <laughs> no. Call Any it a milestone. Instance? Yeah, but still, I don't like that either. Whether it's an incident or an instance, like 
a marriage proposal, that should be a milestone. <laughs> it should be. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. But you were saying in the context of like the way you phrased it was like, I feel like that would be an instance where X, Y, and Z would be okay. So you weren't saying that the marriage proposal is just an instance in time, same importance as grocery shopping. <laughs> Which is important, you guys. Eat good food. Feel your bodies. <laughs> I was walking this dog earlier and the owner had this cookbook out on her counter and I felt attacked. <gasps> no. The title said, you have food at home. <gasps> I'm feeling attacked. Talk about non-HEA. No. No. Nothing about cooking in my world is an HEA. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, don't ever ask me to cook for you. Please. Save us all the heartbreak. I could put together a mean veggie platter, though. Mean veggie platter, great ice cream dessert. Don't ever ask me to cook for you. Can I tell you that my ice cream flavor from Ben and Jerry's that was only sold in stores, that they're no longer selling it in the store, I found at Target in pints. Oh, <gasps> I got in four of them. Pints? Yeah, I had to stock up four well, of them. Obviously. I don't know if it's going to be a continuation thing. I don't know if maybe they were like testing it in the store before putting it on the shelf. Mm -hmm. But just in case, I got four pints. Did I tell you about my ice cream? I used to only be able to eat one flavor. Now there's three flavors. Ooh, I didn't tell you this. You crazy girl. I'm so excited. I Chocolate, cookies, and cream is what I had the other night. Cookies and cream is my favorite. I honestly was never a huge cookies and cream person, but I have not had chocolate ice cream in probably 10 years. So like chocolate, ice cream, anything, like I was sold. Yeah. Some are so good. Next up, mint. I have mint ice cream. Yeah, you don't look thrilled. I used to like it at times. So I feel like maybe it's like like a scoop of mint with some like raspberries or something. This isn't really selling me. I, anything, anything mint. I'm I was going to say you're anti That's right. You are very anti-mint. You're like your hardcore anti-mint. Okay. Well, I'm excited to try it. I don't know if I'm going to like it, but I'm excited to try it. Imagine if they came up with like a Neapolitan. Fucking love Neapolitan. The Neapolitan ice cream sandwiches. <gasps> those shit, that shit hit. That shit time. slapped. Like that really, <laughs> really slapped. Who are we? Morally gray heroes. <laughs> Slapping and hitting. <laughs> On this episode of the HA Book Club, we talked about morally gray villains and how much we love them. And if you're like us and feel like something is missing in your life, I'm gonna have a link below where you can buy a sweatshirt that says morally gray is my favorite color. Yes. I think it's also on some mugs. It's help supports this podcast if you decide to purchase it. And they're actually really cute. 
Yeah, you guys, they actually are super cute. And let's also recall that it doesn't matter what shade of gray you like your morally gray character. We just like them a little gray, whatever shade it is. And this, this, this sweatshirt encompasses it all. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. Next episode is going to be something. It's going to be something great. <laughs> I just want to pre-warn everybody that the planning the organization for the next month while I try to churn out a book that I just started in a month is going to be lacking. So bear with us. We're still going to try to release every yeah. week. And I'm also, I'm starting a new job. So like we're, we're both in a bit of a hot mess time. While we're talking about planning and coming up with episodes for this new season, I'm often asking and polling for your guys' opinions on my Instagram stories at Summer O'Toole. So if you want a specific episode, you want to see a specific author interviewed, talk about a trope or a book you love, if you want to be on it, the podcast yourself, you can find me at Summer O'Toole and either message me or vote in the polls that I do in my stories frequently. Review us wherever you listen to your podcast, we really appreciate it. And it's the best way for us to grow. So without further ado, toodles. Toodles. <laughs>